0: Abolition Ab-today.
1: I'm Assemblymember Lori Wilson. I represent the 11th District, which includes the whole of Solano County, parts of East Contra Costa County, and Sacramento County. It is an absolute pleasure to be here today. I'd like to first welcome those who are here in attendance with me, everyone who is standing in solidarity with us this morning and this moment. I am honored to be joined by some of my colleagues in the, legisl- in the legislature. Including Assemblymember Haney, who's one of the co-authors of the bill, will be joined by others later, and also our community members to announce the introduction of the In Slavery in California Act. Yes, the In Slavery. Yes, let's let's. Woo! The In Slavery in California Act would amend our state constitution to remove involuntary servitude and abolish all forms of slavery once and for all. This morning we will have the opportunity to listen from legislators and individuals who have been fighting the good fight. Individuals have been directly impacted by this injustice that exists in our state constitution. I am introducing this legislation because at every position of leadership, from commissioner to council member, From vice mayor to mayor and now a state legislator, one of my chief responsibilities was and is to end systematic racism and root out discrimination in all its forms. As chair of the California Legislative Black Caucus, I am charged with protecting the interests of black Californians. Although we only make up 6% of the overall population, we make up 28% of our incarcerated population the allowance of slavery in our prisons disproportionately impacts black people those of a community still impacted by the aftermath of slavery in our country i am proud to carry on the work of samuel nathaniel brown who's going to be speaking later today the original author of the 2021 aca three former senator and now congresswoman sydney kamlager who introduced the bill This constitutional amendment is now a national movement. California is among only 16 states with an exception clause for involuntary servitude in its state constitution. Most recently, voters in Alabama, Oregon, Tennessee, and Vermont removed involuntary servitude language from their state constitution. This constitutional amendment is an opportunity to counter ourselves to these states and serve as models for others in the nation. Involuntary servitude is without a doubt an extension of slavery. California was founded as a free state. There is no room for slavery in our constitution. It is not consistent with our values, nor our humanity, definitely not in 2023. The legacy of slavery and forced labor runs deep in our history. From the exploitation of indigenous people in the Spanish missions to black slaves being forced to mine for gold, today slavery takes on the modern form of involuntary servitude, including forced labor in prisons. Every incarcerated person currently gets assigned to specific work without choice in the type of job or work schedule when they enter prison. When incarcerated people turn down work assignments or are unta- unable to report to work, such as when they are sick or sustain injuries, they are often retaliated against in cruel ways. Punishment includes physical violence, denial of phone calls and family visits, solitary confinement, and extension of their sentences. It is dehumanizing and should stop. Slavery is wrong in all its forms, and California, of all states, should be clear in denouncing that in its constitution this a constitutional amendment prioritize rehabilitation for incarcerated people which is something we all should want incarcerated people should be able to choose jobs and shifts that allow them to continue their education use the law library get counseling and participate in other rehabilitative programs that facilitate growth and transformation likewise they should be able to choose jobs that align with their skills and work interests to better them position to better position them to secure a job when they get out which in turn increase community stability and reduce recidivism now most incarcerated people want to work people in prison still have expenses common ones include necessities such as hygiene items more food and clothing and medical or health care health related devices telephone electronic and Sail mail communication with loved ones also costs money. People may have restitution or child support to pay, or simply try to share what meager earnings they have with low income families. Threatening and punishing them to work is unnecessary and dehumanizing.
2: the rose that grew from the concrete had damaged petals. On the contrary, we would all celebrate its tenacity. We would all love its will to reach the sun.
3: Well, we are the
2: roses. This is the concrete. These are my damaged petals. Don't ask me why. Ask me how. abolition, after day, after day, after day, after day.
4: You just heard the February 15, 2013 uh 2023 what year am I in press conference of assembly member Lori Wilson. And that was accompanied by California Love, the medieval bardcore version from Tupac, Dr. Dre, and Roger Troutman. And that was followed by Tupac reciting his poem, The Rose That Grew from Concrete. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, 5 Mountain, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org and on all major podcast platforms. My name is Yusuf Hassan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Max Parthis. Peace, Max.
3: Peace, Brother Yusuf. I'm here at the Paul Cuffee Abolitionist Center in South Carolina, and I'm looking forward to tonight's conversation with our brother and sister, Sam and Jamelia, or as I sometimes call them, Samelia.
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I can't wait till we jump into the convo. So for those who will, uh, were unaware or whatever, for the past two weeks, we played the recordings of this guy here, Max Parthus, and Thomas Washington. Reading Frederick Douglass's famous speech, but unknown speech, I denounced the so-called emancipation as a stupendous fraud. This was a nine-part series and was the first known recording of Frederick's, uh, Frederick's uh, famous speech. So, continuing with our 2023 New Breed interviews, this week our returning guests are Jamelia Land and Samuel Nathaniel Brown. This husband-wife dynamic duo are two of the lead organizers for the End Slavery in California Act. On Thursday, February 15, 2023, at the California Capitol in Sacramento, California, they joined Assemblymember Lori Wilson in hosting a press conference introducing the legislation. The act is an assembly constitutional amendment that will remove involuntary servitude From the California State Constitution We'll listen to some of the press conference Highlights and discuss the future And history of slavery in California As well as uh, nationwide For those who are unfamiliar Jamelia is the co-director of state operations For the Abolish Slavery National Network And a board member of the March On Foundation Samuel is co-founder of the Anti-Violence Safety and Accountability Project, also known as ASAP, and was the original author of the legislation written in his cell while incarcerated with a life sentence. And, of course, we've got music and poetry to share, featuring Tupac Shakur, Knox Brown, Anderson Pack, Damian Jr. Gong Marley, and Fela Kuti. We'll also get back to our normal bridging the gap segment because the last two weeks the entire episodes was the bridging the gap and that'll be a warning to the american people from frederick Douglass. so before we jump into tonight uh tonight's topic max uh how was your week
3: oh man it has been interesting i've had some highlights mm-hmm. uh, of course though we had our state operations meeting with the various states coming together. Uh, We're up to 15 Mm -hmm. states now that are involved. As of Tuesday, if all goes well, we'll have our seventh state with legislation for 2023 and 2024. Uh, So that's fantastic. Uh, Just a few days ago, um, Nevada had one of their committee hearings. They've got to go through two years of committee hearings to pass it on. So they passed through it unanimously again as they have been doing so that's good news to them um, So that looks good uh, I did a interview and became An alum for the Guerrilla Intellectual Radio uh, Guerrilla Intellectual University I'm sorry um,
5: mm-hmm.
3: on Black Power Media uh, I was invited by Dr. Joy James Who has been a guest here on our program before um, And I got to be On air with Sister Joy uh, Brother Kalanji And Jared Ball uh, All of them uh, doctors, <laughs> you know, and uh, mm-hmm. professionals in their field, experts in their field. Uh, and we had a very vibrant conversation, you know. Um, there were some points in it that I thought was a little bit weird or interesting, <laughs> one or the other, uh, but uh, it was a very powerful um, discussion. Uh, I speak as much as I could on topic, because, you know, I'm an, I feel like we found what is causing a majority of our problems. It's the core issue, and it's the legality of things, you know, what they can get away with, what's legal. And by addressing right. that, there will be a ripple effect that will inevitably touch everything that it has poisoned along the way. It has to by default, right? Because if you don't have that protection anymore for slavery, then you have to deal with badges and incidents now without that protection. And I want to see how that right. looks, because we've
2: never had that
3: opportunity before. And we tried everything else. But this is something we haven't tried. So, you know, I feel very uh, passionate that, that this is something that not only needs to get done, but must get done. It, it is imperative because you can't move forward with anything else until you do this. How are you going to talk about freedom or reparations or economic equity or uh, equality in the law and in education and in everything else while st- slavery is still legal? I, I, don't, I don't get that. And it's very much an issue of cognitive dissonance, particularly among mm-hmm. many of our intellectuals. You know what I mean? Like, right. they have been studying revolutionary theory for so long and talking about revolutions and how the whole damn system is guilty as hell. And we're in agreement with that. But we're not. I'm not necessarily in agreement on what the answer to that is right now. I did mention on the program that I believe and agree with Malcolm X when he said that he believes that this America is the first nation that can have a bloodless revolution. And I explained it. I know that the blood was flowing when he said it. And I think what he meant was that without really having a civil war in the streets where people are murdering men, women, and children and burning houses down and blowing up communities, that's a whole different environment that I don't want my kids in. You know what I mean? And right. So we could do right. We could make changes here without that occurring, and I believe that. Uh, but I'm also prepared for Plan B, as you know. You know, this is supposed to be a, a nation of laws, and if it's not, then we're in a lawless nation, and then all bets are off. Uh, but for now, I want to take the route that says my children will grow up without being fear of being in a war zone. And that's what I'm interested in. My grandchildren growing up in safety and security, and not having to deal with slavers and slave catchers. Uh, and stuff like that. So that was pretty pretty good. I, I played a couple of clips on their program, or I brought a couple of clips with me to play. One was
6: uh, uh-huh. Black
3: History in Two Minutes or Less with uh, Henry Louis Gates Jr., and mm-hmm. he showed how convict leasing came to be via the 13th Amendment, and it's all done in two minutes. And I want to save time and get right to the heart of issues, so that was why I picked that one. And the other one was the uh, from... Brand new films, I think it's called uh, Immigrants for Sale, where the uh, Clinton Correctional Facility was being auctioned off. Remember that one? And it was talking about how, you know, um, buying selling points was that there will always be a steady supply of people coming through those facilities. So whatever product or service you provide, there will always be a steady supply of people to do these jobs. And that's the selling point of the prison. So I and that was only like forty seconds long, so I'm like, three minutes is perfect. But they didn't like well at least Jared Ball, and I think I'll disagree with him, didn't like the fact that I brought in Henry Lewis Gates Jr. <laughs> they feel like he's a part of the liberal elitist, um, leftist uh, groups that are really co opting movements. And I was like, Well, what he said here is the truth. <laughs> I mean No matter what he's saying or doing otherwise, this right here, this is true. Uh, And I'm vouching for it. I'm telling you it's true. This is how it happened. I feel like it's a success on our part, and I mean us directly and those who are on the call now and those who work with us over these past years, that we've finally gotten to the point where those liberal elitist intellectuals have deemed that they have to address this. They have to be a part of this. They have to somehow show that all of the education – has provided enough experience and understanding that they can show how this is true too, you know, because before they weren't talking about it, right? So Yeah, yeah.
4: now uh, since it's been forced into the forefront, they have no choice but to address it.
3: Right. So I I suggest people watch the uh, video. Uh, It was an hour and 46 minutes of conversation. So feel free to go to Guerrilla Intellectual University uh, at Black Power Media and check that out. All right, with that being said, um, shout out to Assemblymember Lori Wilson for uh, the introduction she did in regards to uh, ACA, which is the new bill to remove involuntary servitude from the California State Constitution. And uh, it was wonderful to hear Tupac in his own voice doing the roses groups and the concrete, because that is us right now. We are the roses, this is the concrete. Here are our damaged pedals. Don't ask us mm-hmm. why. Ask us how. Because we'll tell you how we're going to get it done. And I believe our guests are going to expand on exactly how this is going to be get done. So if you want to go ahead and do our introductions. Uh, Sam, if yeah, you're on sure. the line, please press the, your number one on your keypad so it moves you uh, up in the list there so we can see you all the time. All right, good. There
4: he is. All right, right on time. So once again we're joined by Jamelia Land, the co director of state operations for the Abolish Slavery National Network and a board member of the March On Foundation and a whole list of other things beyond that. Samuel is the co founder of the Anti Violent Safety and Accountability Project, ASAP, and was the original author of the legislation written in his cell while incarcerated. With a life sentence He's going to tell us a lot more about that When we bring them on But once again we're grateful to have Jamelia Land and Samuel Nathaniel Brown Welcome back to Abolition Today family
2: Thank you Thank you
7: Thank you for having us again It's always a pleasure to uh, be amongst family I know, right oh, for And sure. Sam, you know, uh, that, that was
3: a little bit of the stuff that we left out of the bio Is that, like, we're joined at the hip <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that's for that's sure,
8: Sam. yeah, um, for sure
3: We have, I- I'm proud to say that Abolition Today, myself and Yusuf Have chronicled your journey, Sam From inside uh, to writing the bill Even counseling with writing of the bill to getting out and seeing your family for the first time in all those years outside of a prison set- setting, uh, to going right to work, hitting the ground running, brother, hitting the ground running, getting involved yes, with the music, your poetry, to the end game of what we did last year, not taking it as a defeat, but taking it as an opportunity of growth and coming back stronger and better than ever. I- I'm very proud that we have documented all of that.
2: Thank you for that. I'm extremely honored. I I really don't know what to say in regards to that other than um, it just feels good to be walking in purpose. You know, we're a tight-knit family because we're adhering to the script that was set forth for us before we picked up the baton, and it seems that it's not enough people doing it, you know, but that seems to also be changing because like you and Yusuf was talking about from the introduction of the show, the momentum is picking up all across the nation, and and people are now finally ready to it seems to start reading their constitutions of these the vestiges of of slavery and white supremacy and its codified form. So I'm just honored that you all have have you know allowed me to do this work with you for one, and then two, you know kind of kind my my return to society, Max. It means a lot to me, man.
3: Yeah, if you want anybody to get the whole story, all you got to do is point them in our direction. Go check out the archives where we've been (laughs) guests in chronological order, and it tells Sam's story, (laughs) you know. Uh, And also, same thing with Jamelia, you know. uh, We joined at the hip system, brother. I remember when I first met Jamelia. I believe it was the day that you were burying your father and the COVID outbreak was out and we were just getting together for our first meeting with a number of different art uh, activists, abolitionists, and state representatives to decide whether or not we was going to come together to create something like a slavery uh, the national uh, organization that we have today. So it has been a pleasure to, to see that strength from the beginning and that commitment where no matter what, this is always going to be important to you to get done to the point where you're at now where co-director state operations Mm -hmm. for the ASNN, uh, also March on, which you were already part of and changing state constitutions state after state after state, including your own home state.
7: Well, I really appreciate that, Max. Um, You know, for me, it's just, again, a matter of walking in our purpose, you know, um, The the ancestors uh, before us paved the way, you know, and as we look at the current condition of our people in this country, um, you know, we, we continue to hear about systemic racism, but no one really wants to have that hard conversation. It's not systemic racism. It's the vestiges of slavery and white supremacy and capitalism that is still at play here. And so I'm just I'm humbled and I'm, I'm honored to be amongst such amazing human beings throughout the country who have embarked on this Herculean effort to finally right the wrongs uh, that we have been been living by, at least in the form of uh, ending legalized constitutional slavery, because we know that, you know, we have so much further to go. Um, but it is it is definitely the beginning, so I'm honored to be here.
3: Amen, the beginning. I envision it like a door, but I guess another uh, analogy could be like light speed, right? Uh, we can't escape the solar system to do any kind of traveling or exploring because we don't have light speed, right? So it's impossible, and until you get light speed, you're staying right here in the solar system. It's the same thing with this exception clause. We've never been through that door. We don't know what's behind it. Uh, we've never seen a day where across this country slavery was illegal, completely banned with no exceptions, and not being exploited through some some loophole in some state or by the federal. Uh, we've never seen that. And until we change that legality, we don't know what the world would look like after that. We have to find out. And I want to see it happen you know i feel like moses over here i want to see what the promised land look like you know what I mean? right uh sam any comments
2: and we're 100 percent capable of seeing it you know we really are the change makers of our time and something that you you know you heard me discuss max during that press conference was the fact that the 13th amendment was actually made a part of the United States Constitution by the 39th Congress, the 39th Congress. And in the 39th Congress, that, that 120 something people who Mm -hmm. made up that political body, how many of them do you think were black? How many of them were Hispanic? How many of them were female? You know, Mm -hmm. none, 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 none. Every person in that room was a white male making decisions that would affect all the lives of everybody, the people of color to come, for generations. And so in regards to what you're saying, Max, not only do we have a duty and an obligation, but we actually have an opportunity to get it done. You know what That's I'm saying? Right. To actually stamp it out once and for all. And we've never seen a time when it did not exist. So we, we, we are now poised at this moment to be able to turn the corner and, and usher in something new because we are intelligent, we are you know, we are we are loving, we are kind, we are capable of doing it. So there's no reason why we shouldn't.
3: You know um tonight I plan on playing clips from yourself, what you said, uh Jamilia's uh statements and we've already heard assembly member Lori Wilson's opening statements. But there was other people who spoke as well. Uh, Jamelia, would you like to uh, give a few shout-outs for us about the speakers? There were wonderful speakers like Geronimo.
7: Oh, yes, without a doubt. Um, And not just the speakers that we had, such as Mother Geronimo and Sister Aaliyah representing All of Us and None and Legal Services for Prisoners with Children. Uh, We had some of... um, our other organizers there that were not on the microphone, but I'd like to give a shout out to them, uh, to our co-sponsors, Sister Warriors Freedom Center, uh, the Anti-Recidivism Coalition, Courage, ASAP, Edify, C.J., uh, uh, yes, yeah, subscribe, CJ, uh Baypack. You know, we had a we had a host of people that were there. We'd like to thank all of the members of the California Legislative Black Caucus who have signed on. Um I, I also think that it's important to make note that last year we had a senator that was that voted in opposition of this legislation and this year he has officially signed on as a co author. Mm-hmm. So uh you know, shout out to Senator Dodd uh with the California State Senate. Um but we had a uh, you know we had amazing uh, an amazing time um you know we heard from California assembly member Mia Bonta who is also mm-hmm. the wife of California attorney general Rob Bonta so it was it was a pleasure to have her she is also uh, signed on as a co-author of this legislation um, as well as Assemblymember Lori Wilson, who was also chair of the California Legislative Black Caucus. And, of um, course, you know, myself and my amazing husband. <laughs> yes, uh,
3: you guys were amazing. Uh, the speakers were amazing. And it was, I was proud to see the group coming together, representing all, all of the different organizations as you said, some of these very prominent people now are very aware and involved in what's going on. And uh, the sister, Lori Wilson, the assembly member, Lori Wilson, herself is the, uh, isn't she the chief of or the director of the National Black, or the California Black Caucus? Uh, Jamelia? I'm sorry, she's yeah, she is chair.
7: Yes, she is chair of the uh, California Legislative Black Caucus.
3: Right, so, you know, this is not A small thing we're doing here this is a great thing we can literally be the great generation you know uh, by addressing this and to try to stop us or stand in our way or try to counter what we're doing just seems like you're pro-slavery Like, what else could you possibly be other than pro-slavery so I'm glad to hear that that senator changed his mind about these things I have a question I want to ask you Jamelia but before we do that I want to play your introduction yesterday and what you had to say as well as a little bit of music, because you know how we do here at Abolition Today. If you ain't got, if your movement ain't got no music, you ain't got no movement. You ain't moving. <laughs> we, got, yeah. <laughs> we got music all the time. So uh, I'm going to play Jamelia Land's uh, statements at the press conference on February 15th, and it's going to be followed by Knox Brown, No Slaves, featuring Anderson Pock. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. We'll be right back after this.
0: Abolition. Abolition. Abolition.
1: Abolition. I'm happy um, to introduce Jamila Land to highlight the importance of California in this national effort. She's with the Abolish Slavery National Network.
7: Good morning. Uh, So my name is Jamila Land. I am one of three co-directors of state operations for the Abolish Slavery National Network, We are a national coalition that is seeking to remove involuntary servitude from each and every state's constitution that possesses this language. Um, As our lovely assembly members stated earlier, this past November we were successful in getting four out of the five states that were on the ballot successfully passed, including Alabama. And if any of you know the history of slavery in the United States of America and its roots in Alabama, then you will know that it is absolutely disgraceful that California was unsuccessful in passing this piece of legislation last year. And so we are very, very proud and grateful to have California once again at the table. Uh, Hopefully this year we will successfully get this piece of legislation through. Um, I would like to state that so far we have been successful in abolishing legalized slavery in Alabama, Colorado, Nebraska, Oregon. Rhode Island was the first state, actually, uh, that did not need a constitutional amendment. Tennessee, Utah, and Vermont. And I am also proud to announce today that we currently have over 12 states that we have onboarded that are all seeking to remove this language from their respective states' constitutions as well. Those states are California, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Arkansas, Michigan, Nevada New Jersey, New Mexico, New York North Carolina, Ohio, Texas And Virginia Yes In addition to that uh, We also are Currently housing The United States Abolition Act Which was authored by Senator Jeff Merkley out of Oregon As well as Congresswoman Nakima Williams And so with that I'm going to pass
6: it back to you
8: yeah, yeah. Calling, calling to stick you down, Meeting up to and a turn of mouth. All of my head, all of my feet. You rush with to let me down. I know I'm. We'll be Your body your mind prison Now how do you find freedom? You're stuck in the bind need to yeah. break from the mundane To something divine And well, we just
9: We don't
0: want be no Abolition, Abolition, Abolition Abolition
4: We don't want to be no slaves We don't want to be no slaves No, no, we're not going to stand it Welcome back to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org, with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan, along with our brother and sister guests that are back on this evening, Jamelia Land and Samuel Nathaniel Brown. You just listened to Jamelia at the twenty at the February 15, twenty three press conference introducing ACA eight, the California Abolition Act. And that was followed up by Knox Brown, No Slaves, featuring Anderson Pack. So you broke it down, Jamelia. I mean, you laid it out, and you know, every time I hear it, I'm like, wow, Alabama removed it before California did. (laughs) You know, that's that's just amazing hearing that. And then Tennessee, we throw Tennessee in there as well before. California, supposed to be the most progressive state in the country, you know, so I'm right. just uh, surprised at that. Uh, and I'd just like to hear, you know, any feedback you have
7: regarding that. Well, you know, I think I think it just sums it all up, right, that last year we had an opportunity um, to address legalized slavery in California and I believe that it took the passage of Alabama, Tennessee, Vermont, Virginia, um, in order for not Virginia, excuse me. Uh Tennessee. for people to Tennessee, yes. Yeah, so so people could look at California and say, Okay, wait a minute. We're talking deep south. We're talking home of slavery in this country. Right. Um you know, and so I um I just—it's just been mind-blowing for me, uh, and especially because you know, as as we were involved in the campaign here in California, we were still also involved in other campaigns around the country. And so, uh, as you know, I, I traveled out to Alabama a couple of times in support of not just the legislation, legislative efforts there, but also in support of uh, one of the largest prison strikes that you know we've had. In the country to date, um, which I also mm-hmm. think helps to um, really push the people and, and bring more attention to what's happening in Alabama. And so the fact that Alabama was able to uh, pass this without any qualms, I think, says a lot about the overall temperature 75%. of the country right now, you know? Um, and so if California doesn't get it done this time, um, you know, they say don't throw the baby out with the handbasket, but I'm going to reserve my my comments further until another time. Sure. I'm going to believe that California will, in fact, uh, be successful in passing this, this legislation this year, you know, considering we are uh, one of the largest carceral states in the union, um, and we are also currently – um you know the only state in the union with a reparations task force that has laid out a preliminary report and in their preliminary report their very first recommendation uh, last year was the passage of ACA 3 and to remove this language from California's constitution um in addition to that you know the ACLU came out with a report that is really detailing what's happening around the country um, and so there's something specific that I also want to to mention here in regards to California um, that a lot of people are not aware of. Um, it was also um, the second bullet point on the preliminary recommendation by the California Reparations Task Force, and that is this. I'm going to read it as if. Repealing Penal Code Section 2700, which states, That the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, CDCR, quote, shall require of every able-bodied prisoner imprisoned in any state prison as many hours of faithful labor in each day and every day during his or her term of imprisonment as shall be prescribed by the rules and regulations of the Director of Corrections, close quote. So let let me bring that. Let me bring some some, some other clarity to that, right, show you how deeply rooted California is and show you uh, how it compares to uh, the slave master and the plantation. So California has what's called Cal PIA, California Prison Industry Authority. Cal PIA has a board. The board is structured very similar to a corporate board. Um, and its members are appointed by various people within California's legislature, including our government, <clears throat> Excuse me, our governor. The director of corrections is also known as the secretary of CDCR, and that person is directly appointed by the governor. That person is the one that has the authority over Penal Code Section 2700 that mandates legalized slavery. Um, And so, you know, it's those types of little intricate details that people need to be aware of to understand um, just how deep this thing really runs in California, that we are just because we are geographically not located in what people know as the southern states does not mean that we have escaped the ramifications um, and the, the nasty badges and incidents of slavery up until today.
3: Thank you, Jameel. You are absolutely right on all counts there. Um, I, I want to mm-hmm. get to Sam. i got a question for both you and Sam, but I'll start with Sam. But before that, I want to make a, an acknowledgement. I understand that we have some press listening in today. Uh, shout out to the black press. If you have a question or comment during our program, just press one on your keypad. That goes for our callers as well, so that we know you have a question or comment. All right, Brother Sam, uh, I, you know, we talk a lot about the, the particulars of this system of slavery. And there's always these arguments, like the argument in California that if they were forced to pay uh, minimum wage to inmates, it would cost a billion and a half a year that they allegedly can't afford, right? Uh, We talk about the vultures that feed on the inmate labor and the system as it is. But what we don't talk about enough, which we heard in that song uh, from Knox Brown and Anderson What about this part? We don't want to be slaves no more. How about that? Is that important enough for people? So let's talk about the personal aspect of living through this thing and have to pay all these excessive fines and fees and be being molested through these organizations that just feed off of you as captive uh, labor and captive consumers. Could you address some of
2: that? I definitely could, Max. Man, that's a great question. And we're talking about this this, um, slavery-driven economic engine, (laughs) what have you. Right before I do that, I just want to say
10: something
2: about what Jamelia, her speech on the day of the press conference, and Brother Yusuf mentioned it earlier, but my favorite part of the speech, man, is when she was just like, if y'all know the history of Alabama, then y'all know Mm -hmm. how disgraceful it was. It was like she lined them up perfectly and just hit them with that gut punch. (laughs) to let them know, you know, all you people out here with your noses in the air, about how progressive you are and how liberal you are, and about human rights and all that. Here we are fighting to end slavery, you know what I mean? And we failed to get it done in California, but they did it in Alabama. So I just thought, I thought that was amazing. I really loved it. Um, In regards to the economic engine, it's it's so many like intersectional points at which the system of mass incarceration serves to decimate communities of color and, you know, black, brown, and impoverished communities. From, t- from stripping away our most precious resource, which is oftentimes the mail from the household, to sending people back out without the opportunity to even claim the jobs that they held while incarcerated and put them on a resume or have somebody use as a reference that they can call upon. I mean, it's, it's from, from the beginning to the end, it's a travesty. You mentioned, Max, that $1.5 billion price tag that they try to put on it, that, you know, that's cause for concern on a number of different aspects. One, first of all, they're conflating the issue. What ACA, ACA 8 is about, is about ending slavery once and for all. It's about getting rid of the exceptional, the, the, excuse me, the exclusionary language from the Constitution, you know, Article 1, Section 6 of the California Constitution, and ending legalized slavery, first and foremost, you know, the discussion about how much it would cost to end slavery is a real slap in the face, because at, at what point do we say that there's no cost worth the carrying on this, this legacy of, of degrading human beings and, and usurping them out of their labor and their lives so that you can benefit a small few, people who contract with, with state governments. I mean, we have an opportunity to stop it and we will. But to answer your question though, um Maxis, there are a number of, of of intersectional points. I mean, no one wants to be a slave, no one wants to be incarcerated, but people commit crimes and they find themselves in a carceral setting. Are we saying that people shouldn't work when they're incarcerated? Not at all. That's not what we're saying. When it comes to talking about rehabilitation and sending people back into society as the best versions of themselves that they can be, of course you have to develop a strong work ethic. Of course you have to develop a, a, you know, some skills or vocational trades that they can utilize upon their release. So no one's saying that they shouldn't work. What we're saying is that people shouldn't be forced to work and that forced labor should not take precedence over rehabilitation. You know, when a person goes to prison, they're they're, they're going to prison to become a better version of themselves, to understand what led them to prison to begin with. And that whole thought process about, you you know, you're paying your debt to society, that's a lie.
6: How am Mm -hmm. I paying my
2: debt to society if I'm working for Walmart, if I'm working for Victoria's Secret, if I'm working for, Mm -hmm. you know, 3M? They're not giving any breaks or, or passes to my mama or my sisters or anybody in my community. So how am I paying my debt to society? I'm not. That's first and foremost. And then second of all, that entire saying is rooted in white supremacy and racism. I mean, because you all, y'all like the most educated people I know on this topic, the two of you. And you know just as well as I know. Thank you, brother. That anytime, it's true. Anytime someone talks about, you know, paying your debts to society, they may not realize that that's a saying that actually finds its province, its origin, in the black code. You know, when, right. when they... When they were, like, seeking to reestablish the the plantation and get that labor back, then they came up with the black codes, they would attach a fine to the court, to the to the codified law that they were saying was broken. So if you didn't have a job, they might say, well, this is a $60 fine or a $200 fine. And the only way that you can pay it off is you would go to this prison labor camp and you would work it off and, quote, unquote, pay your debt to society, Right. So when you fast forward all the way to today, we have the modern-day black codes, the three-strikes laws, the, the, the gun enhancements, the gang enhancements, and now people are saying, well, you got to go pay your debt to society, and that's why you're in prison working. They need to know that that's rooted in white supremacy and racism, and people are not paying their debts to society. People are supposed to go to prison, identify the problems that led them to adopt criminality to begin with, and then walk out prepared to be better than they were when they went inside of prison. And as long as and, slavery is at the core of the penal system, that's not going to happen. And,
3: and that's the ones who have actually committed a crime. Uh, not everybody in prisons or jails have done that. Uh, there's a large group of right. people who have been just fed into the machine via everything from the school, to prison pipeline, and poverty and more, um, or just picked up off the street, put into these cells because they need to fill one in order to hit their quota. With signs that's of these, super true. But, yeah, but we my, have a problem.
2: Right. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was we going have to say, mind, he just it. did like 42 years and he got exonerated and he was innocent the entire time. You know, right. uh, just real quick, just I'll say this and be quiet. The slave driven machine that's at the core of the penal system doesn't care if you're innocent or if you're guilty. guilty. They just need that's bodies right. to fill those beds, period. Right. <laughs> and if not enough, people who can be
3: considered criminals, they just make more by criminalizing something that Change that that group is a, is doing or has or is about or is in their culture. Mm-hmm. You know? So right. let me go ahead and bring in this other caller. Uh nine two nine six okay. you're on abolition today with Max Parkinson Hassan, and our guests Jamaica Land and Samuel Make Daniel Brown. I believe this is brother Tony Harvey.
10: Yes this is. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, we can hear you. Welcome to the yes. program. Paul oh, Great, great. Thank you for uh letting me come in here. Um, um very interesting discussion and then, uh, I like what you said at, Max at the uh opening of your uh at the opening of this discussion and I will be able to extract some of you know your language from the your commentary. Uh you know we have spoke a couple of times uh on some of these reports. And of course I've been covering this uh, this bill for the last two years. And uh always thanks to you, Jamilia. And uh, I appreciate you inviting me in on this. I know you it was limited to uh the people that you want to uh to the audience that you want to uh you know hear from uh this perspective. But uh I guess my question is, is just real short and simple uh for you and uh Sam, how you doing? Uh, we know the efforts that Sydney Comlager uh had put forth to, you know, to try to push this uh down the stretch, and she couldn't get it across the finish line because of you know some things that had came up, which was in her own party, <laughs> the Democrats. But you we were able to pull in uh, Assemblywoman uh, Lori Wilson, and uh, obviously you know she's she's passionate about these type of things because I know she deals with certain issues like this in her own uh, district, uh, Sonoma County, that is, the city of Fairfield here in Northern California. But I just want to know from you too. How were you able to lure her in to pick up the baton to try to push this over the finish line?
3: To me, all that
2: that's, a great, yes. that's a great question. And to be honest, we didn't have to lure her in at all. She was a more than willing participant to pick up the baton and fight for freeing the enslaved people, right? Right. And so that's one thing that we're really happy about because, as you heard us say during the press conference, this has been, you know, championing the causes of black people. is' has been something that she's been passionate about for a long time and has done in almost every position that he, she's held. Chair of the California Black Caucus, it was almost like, uh, like a no-brainer for her to carry this torch and fight to end this travesty that's still taking place in 2023. And one of the things that we're really excited about, as the chair, she's already... Gone at the support of every member of the California Black Caucus. They've all all signed on as co-authors, and then there's like an additional another dozen of people, including some from the other side of the aisle, As you heard Jamelia say earlier, that have also signed on. So we're back, Tony, and we're back, more concentrated, educated, and dedicated to getting this over the finish line. And that goes from the assembly member all the way down to the organizing um, individuals on the streets, boots on the concrete. We're gonna get this done this time.
10: My man, thank you. That was the only question that I had. Right on. Right on.
4: J- Jamila, did you have anything you wanted to add to that?
7: Um, you may be no, on I mute. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I think he summed it up pretty well. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of things that um, that are intersecting right now in California, and so the California Reparations Task Force. Uh, have several members on it that are part of the California Legislative Black Caucus. She is the chair mm-hmm. of the Legislative Black Caucus. Um, so it was just a natural alignment um, mm-hmm. for her to to come in as author of this year's legislation. Um, and she has been a powerhouse from the beginning. Uh, you know, we have I believe now over 26 legislators that have signed on as co authors and they are continuing to come. So yeah, um it's uh it's a blessing, you know, and I, I just believe that it is that time, you know, um, like the word says that, you know, God has prepared us all for a time such as this and He is raising up his army of people. Uh because what we are seeking is righteousness, is just, is fair. You know, we we just want to be seen as human beings. You know, we cannot forget that we live in a country that our founding document said that my life was being three-fifths of a human being for purposes of representation. We can't forget that.
3: Thank you, Jamelia. What Brother Harvey said, too, struck a chord with me about bipartisanship. And, you know, there's one thing I've learned about things that are bipartisan, particularly something like this, is not only can you get support from both sides, but both sides will be stabbing you in the back periodically as well. Uh, so, <laughs> it happens. Right. It definitely happens. Uh, thank you for calling in, uh, Brother Harvey,
10: and shout out once again yes, to the Black sir. Press. Yes, thank like I said, once again, I'll, I'll just make a brief Thank you for inviting me. I I just needed to get another angle because this story is national, which I'm loving that part. It's all over the place. i actually read the first story in the Washington Post, so you know when it hits the Washington Post and the New York Times, it is national, and I just needed to go with another sure. angle, and this this segment right here, you know, for abolition today, opened up that, you know, that next part of the segment that we're going into. So thank you, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank very you.
4: Very <laughs> but before you before you leave, plug your publication, please. Let everyone know oh, how yeah, they can I, uh, uh, okay, reach
10: out. I'm actually right. <laughs> I, I didn't mention that. I'm actually writing this for California Black Media, which is like, you know, the black Associated Press of uh, California. It feeds um, these types of stories into like 25, 26 other uh, black newspapers across the state. Uh, and, of course, there's a couple other um, national black newspapers uh, across the country that also uh, pick up these type of stories. But I'm specifically writing this for California Black Media. I've been working on this uh, particular bill, ACA 3, when it was then. Uh, for the last uh, couple years, and I've been in uh, strictly contact with my friends, you know, Jamelia and uh, Sam Nathaniel, Nathaniel Brown, you know, and try to uh, help provide information, if anything. I, 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 you know, I write objectively, you know, uh, about this subject, and I, I didn't even know that California even had this on the book, so that's what even, you know, pushed my passion even more. Also, if you do pick up the byline, of course, my nickname, you know, friends and family know me as Tony. Harvey, but you will see Antonio Ray Harvey as my uh, my birth uh, birth name, my byline on these stories.
8: Right. Mm-hmm.
10: Awesome. Okay.
8: Uh,
10: we have awesome. one
8: more thank caller
3: you. I want to bring in. Uh, thank you, Brother Harvey. We have one more caller I want to bring in, and after that, I want to take our music break, and then when we come back on the other side, we'll continue our discussion with Sam and Jamelia, and we'll also listen to Sam's uh, testimony at the hearing. In the next hour So first I do want to make an announcement I guess it is Yusuf and I have been receiving some mail As of late from Apple Podcasts uh, Which is very Mm -hmm. powerful uh, news that we've gotten Uh, The first one was last week They said that we are ranking 108 In educational podcasts And when I saw it at first I was like Wow that's not bad 108 Like how many is it? It's over half a million (laughs) So we're 108 out of half a million educational podcasts in the United States. And then a couple of days ago, we got another letter, uh, email from them saying that we rank 63, right? 63? In, 65 In Singapore. 65. 65 right. in Singapore. So apparently in Singapore, uh, educational podcast, Abolition Today is their favorite. <laughs> so that is pretty cool.
2: Congratulations. Awesome. Congratulations. Right? That's Good. gigantic.
3: Thank you. Thank you. The, the world is listening for sure. With that being said, let's go ahead and bring in this next caller, 8762. You're on air on Abolition Today.
6: Hi, guys. Can you hear me well? Yes. Yes. Uh, Hi. First of all, congratulations on that, that you guys are on Singaporean news because, you know, they're the number one education in the world. So So. they know what's up. Jamila and um, Mr. Samuel, it's such a pleasure to even – sometimes I pinch myself. Like, how did I get – so blessed to be around Max and Yusuf and the Abolition State community and be around brilliant people. Um, so, I have two questions for you. So, one is for Jamila. First of all, you're such a naturally beautiful woman, so feminine, so strong, fighting for your women I mean, your man and your country and your state. Beautiful. And I wanted to know because this is the second time that California has failed. I'm well, not sorry, second time that California has pushed this. We're going to win this time on my triplets. We're going to win. Um, and I wanted to know, what. how do you renew your strength? Because I know what it's like to be a black woman, and you are such a strong black woman, and to be able to renew your strength to do it again. I mean, that, I wanted to And Mr. Samuel, I say in the book of Genesis, I think of you as Joseph, from prison to second-in-command. And, you know, I spend a lot of time on Westlaw, a lot of time, whether it's O'Connor versus Donaldson or whatever cases I'm reading. And I'm always, like, shocked at these people who have the strength to to petition the court um, for their own welfare, for their own benefit. And I wanted to know, in your prison cell, where do you get that level of strength? Where do you get that level of this must be that I know – The movement is a must-be-done kind of thing, but there has to be a personal thing that's going on, especially what you're seeing and witnessing. And I couldn't even imagine what it's like to be incarcerated, but, you know, this country. Anyways, but I wanted to know, how do you guys do it? I mean, leaders, leaders, leaders. That's my question.
7: Wow. First of all, I want to say that your vibrations and your energy are so powerful Um, Just coming through the speaker, like, I just want to acknowledge your being in the earth realm. Um, You're amazing, and I thank you for the beautiful, humble, kind words um, that you just shared with us. Um, You asked a great question. Um, So first, the first part of it is... um, I keep myself renewed because I'm reminded every day, as my grandmother would so wonderfully say, I wake up on the right side of the dirt, which means I have been given another opportunity to be a better version of myself and be that, to be an example to others and to bring love and and peace and fairness and justice to a world that we oftentimes don't see that. Um, And for me, like, the fight is just always within. Um, It it never ends. You know, my son is, he's still inside. Excuse me. He's currently serving three consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole for a triple homicide that he didn't commit. You know, we fought for legislative changes here to benefit him to include SB 1437. This year we're coming back with SB 300. Um, You know, it's... It's the fact that I'm very cognitive and aware that this thing, though it, you know, it's very personal for me, it's um, personal for me not just because of my husband and my son and other family members, but because I recognize what's happening, you know, that, that black and impoverished lives in this country have no value unless they're directly tied to an economic engine that we don't profit from. Um, and our communities are continuing to be destroyed. Um, our men are being extracted out of the communities, out of our homes. Um, our women, it's the same thing that's happening with our women and our children. We have been, <clears throat> excuse me, so dehumanized that to treat us, uh, once we were dehumanized, then it's, it's easy to criminalize us and then treat us in inhumane fashion. And that is what this this carceral system has done. We would like to believe that slavery in this country ended, but in fact it did not. It was just repurposed um, behind those prison walls. And we have got to get to a place within ourselves where we're not just looking at how things impact us on a personal level, but how the things that are going on around us are impacting us as a collective of human beings, regardless of our ethnic grouping or religious preferences or socioeconomic status like we are all human beings and that is what is at the root of the problem in this country is that we other one another and we do not see certain ethnic groups as deserving of being treated as human beings and we see that codified in the the documents the founding foundational documents not just of this nation but in our individual respective states and so as long as these things continue to exist as long as my husband you know and my son and so many others could continue to go to work let me tell you how let me let me me give you an example of how real this thing is right especially in comparison to When last year we had opposition that came out and said it was going to cost too much to end legalized slavery in California if we had to pay incarcerated individuals a wage. And this bill wasn't about wages. There's a bill that's already on the table for that. But I just want to entertain the fact for a moment that let's look at the other side. Let's look at the cost, not just the human factor, but the actual economic cost. So my husband was incarcerated for 24 years. When he went inside, they sent him a bill for $35,000 and some change. That was his restitution due. 24 years later, when he got out, two months after being out, they sent him, the California Franchise Tax, State Board, State Tax Board sent him a letter that said he owed 34000 and some change. Yet in 24 years of being incarcerated, he wasn't able to make enough money to pay off a $1,000 in restitution. His job varied from zero cents an hour to he maxed out at 74 cents an hour. Of that, they took 55%, 50% towards restitution, 5% towards administrative fees. In addition to that, he could go to the canteen once a month and a max of $225. With restitution on his books, not only was he having to pay for it, but anyone who put money on his books, They took 55% of that. So in order for him to have $225 a month to be able to go to canteen, we'd have to put over $500 on because we'd have to make sure that they got their 55%. Then there was the phone call. Then there was the travel. I'm in Northern California. He was in Southern California. We have three children that we're traveling. We are talking round trip airfare. We're talking uh either a, a rental car or a lift. We are talking about a, a hotel room or an airbnb like oh, let's not forget the packages where they're selling dollar store items marked up $4, mm-hmm. five dollars
8: mm-hmm. okay
7: um, right so this is this is this is a part of the cost. That we're talking about, and to hear California say that it would cost too much to end slavery is, and 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 I look at the cost of for my family and so many other families in our communities is just absolutely disgraceful. So that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me me fighting.
2: And what's your name again? That a question.
6: Yes, I'm I'm Vermont. So we're a free state here. So we're just trying to help y'all. By the
3: way,
6: just uh, that I just thought I read this book called the numbers and it talks about white people being afraid to talk about numbers and you know, if they want a number game, we can play the number game. So let your heart not be weary. Go ahead, Samuel.
2: Well, I just wanted to say what Jamilia said that I really do love your vibrations as well. You asked a great question. Um, and as for me, I mean, you just heard my wife. You heard the fire that, that just comes from her soul. You know what I'm saying? I'm, when when they took black men from, from the African continent, they took black women. When we were on the slave ships, they was on the slave ships. When they when they, we were in the fields, they were in the fields. When we got lynched, they got lynched right next to us. You know what I mean? When we got discriminated against, they got discriminated right next to us. I come from a, a long line of strong black women that, that, that tend to love me and, and, and nurture me to the best of their ability in the absence of where, where the men were supposed to be. You know, my wife is strong. My mama is strong. You know what I mean? And so when I found myself in prison, the, the greatest gift that anybody ever gave me, it came from my mama. And what she gave me, she gave me knowledge of God. You know, just having knowledge of a higher power. When I found myself in solitary confinement, when I found myself getting jumped by the police or, or left in a cell to die after like 17 of them that beat me, you know, it was that knowledge of God, that higher power that sustained me, that wouldn't allow me to be broken. That was one. Knowledge of God, first and foremost. And then, two, when I when I got to prison, you know, I was really drunk off the Kool-Aid. I was really running around acting like a, a ger because I was convinced that that's what I was. You know what I mean? And so I was acting like that. But once I got to prison and I started reading a host of books, it fed this other thing in me that was the truth. That was always within me that wasn't being fed because I was being fed a host of negativity. You know, and it was... It wasn't that nobody was feeding me positivity, but the negative inlet or, or sources was far outnumbering the positive ones as when I was coming up. And so when I began reading all of these books and learning knowledge itself, I began to realize that, you know, my community, that the schools are underfunded, the property are, are you know, dilapidated, the, the, the jobs are in short supply. I mean, it's a host of obstacles stacked against us. The police mm-hmm. brutality in our community is off the chain. And I'm like, then, then I look at the, 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 the portraits of myself that they show on TV and in the music. I'm either, I'm either you know, a snitch, I was you know, they, they under, undermining male, black male masculinity. I mean, you name it, all of these different things. And I'm like, well, you know what? I must be a bad individual. If they did all this stuff and they're constantly doing all this stuff to me and my people to make us think that we less than, and they won't stop. You know, I must be something special. And so it really started to like open my eyes, as I said in that prison cell, that I'm a bad motherfucker, apparently. You know, because you stripped me of my tongue, of my history, of my religion, my elders, everything or so you tried. You know what I'm saying? Then you would tell me that I'm less than and I'm trash. If I'm really trash and I'm nothing, why are you working so hard? Why why are you trying so hard to convince me? You feel me? Every aspect of my life. So I started to wake up and see the light. That was the second one, and then the third one. And one of those books I read was about George Jackson. And George Jackson said, he said, "Prison does one of two things: it either makes you the strongest version of yourself that you've ever been, or it breaks you." Mm-hmm. And I decided right then and there that I, I refuse to be broken. You know what I mean. The God in me and the God that I serve won't allow me to be broken. So that's what helps sustain yep. me. And as a that's as a leader, I just can. felt like I was walking in my purpose. Amen to that.
5: That's what strength You're crying. That's amazing. Good thank for you very you. much,
2: amazing.
3: Doug Sam. Uh, um, thank you for those you. questions, Sister Karen. I appreciate it. And you know, both Jamelia and Sam touched on the interconnectedness, all these different things that are part and parcel of modern-day slavery, from the phone calls to the travels and hotels and commissary and the fines and the fees and hunting the and all Mm -hmm. this stuff is part and parcel of it. So when people ask me that crazy-ass question of what will change if we end slavery, that's what I think in my mind. Like, how can you even ask that when you know that this thing is connected to all of that. And I think right. there's a, a brother by the name of Chase Schism who really breaks mm. down this connections brilliantly in his song, Corporate America, with three keys. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and play that, Corporate America. I do want to acknowledge that we have another caller. I'll bring you in uh, later after uh, we come back from our music break. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. Our guests today are Samuel McDaniel. Brown and Jamelia Land We'll be right back after
0: this Abolition, Abolition. Welcome Abolition. to the uh, United States Of corporate
11: motherfucking America Judential <laughs> Smith Barney Merrill Lynch Bristol Moss Maytag Craft NASA They declared a war on drugs My nigga, they declared war on us Drug offenders mean more prisoners And more prisoners mean more prisons built More wood, more concrete and iron More trucks, more gas, more hind Framers, plumbers, electricians Consultants, advisors, technicians More guards, more guns Pass more laws, to lock up more niggas And that's more funds Now they gotta hire more ones more handcuffs, silly clubs, and stun guns. See, more calls, more CBs, and sirens. Most drug offenders is non violent. This is all court with the state ain't the owner. This prison's brought to you by Tom Warner. Reverse
1: agreement with the United States in right. terms of what they export and where it comes from. But the mere fact that they say that this. The Tariff Act of 1930 that said that we're not allowed to accept prison labor, produced goods, you know, um, imported into the country means, should mean that you don't think it's right. And if you don't think it's right, then you need to look in your own backyard and see what you're doing. Somebody
11: got to drive the buses out to the sticks. Somebody got to make the ink for fingerprints. So these companies, they donate to candidates. Cash for the ones that's tough on crime in a state.
6: More arrests
11: equal more votes. Pass more laws that hurt more Latin, black, and whole folk. Then cut money for education so they can spend more on incarceration. The company that fed your kids at lunchtime now, feed them when they grown, locked on the child line. About a half a meal jail for drug charges. It was only 50 down before Reagan took office. Then he sold guns for dope to the contrast and crack rhyme exploded in Oakland and Compton Monica is locked up as expected this prison's brought to you by General Electric
1: It just seems like they're they're taking advantage because the mere fact that they don't have overhead in terms of insurance and workers' costs and all these other things, you're having, you're getting all these benefits as a result of having the labor. Um, and if you want to say, okay, we're, we're training them, we're giving them a skill, we're giving back, it would be one thing. But if you're paying someone $0.17 cents an
11: hour,
1: that is
11: penis. This become come up, a new slave workforce. Just lock these niggas up and make them work for us. And they like to rap about it, that'll work for us. Market them niggas, help enslave a new workforce. Dope and guns, guns and dope. To keep them high, no hope, bro. And in and out of code, it's all profit. From the dope to the locksmith. machine so big, Jesus Christ couldn't stop it. It's a parable. See the pharaoh, the president. If Jesus came back, they label him a terrorist. I ain't religious, but I read the scriptures. From what I read, Jesus would have been banging for us niggas in essays. And all poor folk on the street, they can lock me up. But the Lord forgive me for the hustle, cause... Niggas just on some feed, they kids shit. Living in the system brought to you by big business.
9: Once you change your philosophy, you change your thought pattern. Once you change your thought pattern, you change your, your attitude. Once you change your attitude, it changes
0: your behavior pattern. And then you go on into some action. Abolition. 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 Weak. So I have a
4: confession to make. <laughs> Welcome back to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. I listen to that before every broadcast, every week. That's like my warm-up track right there, Chase Giza, Corporate America. And you're talking about name names. That's like a popular social media phrase, right? Chase a names names and breaks it down throughout the track,
3: Max. Word. Let's hear from brother uh, Sam because I know you are a hip hop aficionado as well as a spoken word artist and
2: real recognizing real. What do you think? That's a great question, right there. I actually was listening to the track. I thought it was pretty dope. He touched on a lot of. It almost seemed like he touched on everything we was having talking about in this conversation.
5: <laughs> right.
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. The
3: beauty. The beauty of the truth is we all come to the same conclusions. You don't, you know, need any triggers or any extra. The truth will defend itself.
2: It explains itself.
3: It's lying that it takes so damn much.
2: Exactly. Lying takes a or, great deal of energy.
3: Um. Speaking of lying, uh, for now 157 years here in the United States of America, we've been teaching people in school and elsewhere that slavery was abolished with the 13th Amendment. And here we are now in this 21st century uh, with eight, eight states deep into abolishing slavery. If mm-hmm. slavery had been abolished, then what are we doing? We must be doing something because we've accomplished it, and we're going to continue to accomplish it. Uh, tell me some of your thoughts about the effort that we're making here and in California for the sand.
2: I'm sorry, Brother Max. Could you ask me that question one more time, please, about the effort? Yes,
3: about the efforts that you're making in California as well as nationwide in
2: comparison to what
3: we've been taught for so long. Because we're still breaking through people's uh, blockages, that cognitive dissonance. They believe that slavery ended. What was, what we told that this, there was a poll done and that only 18% of U.S. citizens even knew it was an exception clause. But here we are, eight states deep. So tell me how you feel
2: about those efforts. You know, the Bible says, man shall not live off of uh, bread alone, but off of every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, right? And when it says "proceedeth," it means it's still happening. It's still taking place. So what we were taught about slavery and what they're still teaching us about slavery, you know what I mean, is that it was ended. And when I say Mm -hmm. still teaching us, you need only look at Juneteenth. When you look at Juneteenth, they're still trying to shove that same narrative down our throats that slavery was abolished. You know what right. I'm saying? So it's not – I can't even say they taught, they taught it to us, Max. I'm saying they're they still trying to teach it to us, and if you're not cognizantly aware, you're going to buy it. You know what I mean? So that's what I think about that. I think it's premature. I think that until we continue to make noise and raise awareness and popularize this issue, make it pop culture – that that popular narrative will still continue to reign and that most people will walk around ignorant and blind. And and when I say ignorant, it's not to be offensive. It just means to not know, but not knowing that slavery was never actually abolished but merely conditioned and anybody can walk through a due process modulator and be turned into a slave period, you know? So that's where I'm at with it. I, I really believe that they're still teaching it and it's up to us to continue to raise awareness and build this movement as like we're doing to bring it to an end once and for all, you know, because um, even the knowledge producing institutions that are responsible for putting out the textbooks that, that typically serve as what the people who are considered to be learned study from, you know, when we talk about pre-colonial post-colonial studies, we're talking about actually not just changing the laws, but all going all the way back and changing what's being taught, the pedagogy of it all, what's actually being taught in these educational institutions so that we can change the narrative, not only, you know, politically and in and, and pop culture, but also on the educational level so that what it better reflects the truth. So that's how, you know, that's what my thoughts are on it, uh, Brother Max. Thank you, Sam. Uh, and I want to move over to Jamilia. I got a
3: question for you as well, as I had mentioned earlier. You know, I often get, and I'll use the word chided, that what we have here is a single-issue campaign. It's just about one issue, as if that's a bad thing. And this is for people who don't really understand or grasp the interconnectedness of all of it, as Chase Shizza has explained, as you and Sam has also touched on. What would you say to those who tell us that We're a single-issue campaign, and because of that, it's a bad thing. We should be concerned with all the other things they want us to be concerned with.
7: Well, I'm going to say that this embodies every other concern that we have. This is the core. This is the core of – this is the foundation of the problems, the systemic issues That we see that plague us today. It has to be a singular issue because it is. It's the core. It's where it starts. Amen.
3: That's right. You know, I I imagine you know when they ask me that, I think in my mind like, would you go onto a plantation in 1850 and ask the slaves why they're making slavery a single issue campaign like? Why is it so important to them that it's their core (laughs) issue? Like, would you ask them that? No, but you're asking me that. And I'm I'm like in the song previously from Knox Brown, you know, I don't want to be a slave no more. I don't want my children to be a slave no more. I don't want my grandchildren to be slaves no more. I don't want anybody to be slaves no more. And that should be enough for you. Uh, But apparently it's not enough. Feel free to comment in, in, uh, in uh, as you as you feel at this
2: point. Yeah, well, I guess when you're advocating to, for your manual you also got to be concerned about the, the price of gas. <laughs>
5: Something like that. right, you know. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> we heard that in wow. the testimonies of the senators and the congressmen, where they stood there and said, "Well, has anybody asked the prison industry what they think of this?" Like we heard that in Louisiana. We heard it in California where we had to get Mm -hmm. the blessings in Tennessee from CCA or core civic before we could end slavery. It's just crazy to even consider that this is where we're at in the United States, that we have to argue with someone. We have to present a case, and then we have to touch their economic or their social or their, uh, I guess, even passions in order to get them to do what? In slavery.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Ridiculous. Uh,
3: it's ridiculous, man. We we have the patience of saints around here because we understand we're fighting against sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity, as Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, pointed out, <laughs> which is the most dangerous thing there is, even more dangerous than the wars, <laughs> because that's how you get them. Right. That. Right. All right. Well, Sam, I, I want to play our clip of you uh, and what you had to say, which I think was poignant, uh, profound, and it really touched the human aspect of what it is we're dealing with. We're men and women. We're human beings, in, and we're citizens in the United States that deserve respect, and you touched on a lot of that. So I want to go ahead and play that, and then we'll come back Thank with you some commentary. That. Welcome, brother. Uh, then we'll come back to some commentary, and I want to uh, get you guys to give us some closing statements about how people can help you both in California and nationally and in the other efforts you're involved in. If you're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org, we're going to go into this final clip from the press conference with Samuel Daniel Brown, and in the background you'll hear changes instrumental. We'll be right back
0: after this. Abolition Abolition. today. Our next guest
1: is Samuel Brown with the Anti Violence Safety and Accountability Project, also known as ASAP. Samuel will share his lived experience as a formerly incarcerated individual, as well as noted he was the original author of this bill.
2: Good morning, everyone. So it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Assemblymember Wilson. And I just want to start out by saying this is the End Slavery in California Act. So when I say hashtag, I want y'all to say End Slavery in California. Hashtag End Slavery in California.
8: Hashtag End Slavery in California. One more time. Hashtag End Slavery in California.
2: And that's what we're going to do, right? And so as Assemblymember Wilson noted, I was the original author of this legislation, and I wrote it in my spell while I was incarcerated with a life sentence. But I want to make it clear that abolishing slavery did not start with Samuel Nathaniel Brown. This is something that we've been trying to do for a long time, too long, and now we have an opportunity to actually get it done. And though you heard Assemblymember Wilson say that she represents the California Black Caucus and that we are disproportionately incarcerated, I want to make clear also that this is not a black issue. This is not a white issue. This is an everybody issue. You understand when article one section six of the california constitution was approved it was in 1879 at that time the 13th amendment was only 14 years old 14 years old and a decision to take slavery from the rural areas in the south and put it across the entire nation behind prison fences was made by the 39th congress and let me ask you how many people in that room do you think were black How many do you think were Hispanic? How many were female? Not one. And they made this life-altering decision that would impact us for ages to come. And now here we are in 2023 with an opportunity to stamp it out once and for all. You know, I just want to say this real quick. That in 1908, the Model T was made. Right? Here we are in 2023 and we're driving the Model S. If the same laws that were utilized in 1865 and 1879 were not working then, how is it that we evolved the automobile that we drive but not the laws that govern us? It's not commonsensical. You understand what I'm saying? So my lived experience I want to share with you briefly. As I stand before you today, I have an Associate to Arts in Social Science, an Associate to Arts Transfer Degree in Sociology. I graduated magna cum laude from California State University, uh, Los Angeles, in communication studies. I've taken thousands of hours of self-help programming, anger management, stress management, written the entire curriculum for the 10P program, the boys to men workshop, life empowerment group, survival of mediation seminar, you name it. All I needed to get was one disciplinary report from failing to report to work, and they would deem me as an unreasonable risk to society and deny me the opportunity to come home. I want to put that in perspective for you. I could go years, disciplinary free, involve myself in every rehabilitative opportunity that's known to me. And if I refuse to go to work for one day, which was why this bill was written to begin with, because I was the first person in the state of California to have to go inside of a cell in a carceral setting and disinfect with somebody tested positive for COVID. And I told my supervisors, I'm like, I'm terrified for my life. A lot of people are dying across the world, and I don't want to walk up in here and not knowing what to expect, so I'm not going to come to work today. And they threatened me with the modern-day whip, which is the 115, and said, if you don't report to work, you're going to get this 115. And what that 115 would have did for me, it would have gave me 15 more years of 15-year denial in prison. And if there was mitigating evidence, then a 10-year denial, then a 7-year denial, then a 5-year denial, then a 3-year denial. And it would have negated all of the hard work. So this is what modern-day slavery looks like. In addition to what Geronimo talked about as being an economic engine for those who ravish black and brown and impoverished communities, this is what it looks like. So we have an opportunity to stamp it out once and for all, and we're not going to stop until we get it done. So when I say hashtag, y'all say end slavery in California. Hashtag in
5: California. Thank you.
0: abolition abolition today abolition today
8: abolition,
4: abolition, 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 abolition. abolition Welcome back to abolition today abolitiontoday.org. You just heard the February 15, 2023 press conference segment of Samuel Nathaniel Brown speaking and that was accompanied by changes by Tupac Shakur. And that put a cap on it right there. When you talk about the human element Of what this is all about So when people say Well it's just symbolic right No it makes real change So I'll first turn to you Jamelia You know Hearing your husband say those words And you on the outside living it You lived it on air with us You know at times Speaking about what was going on With uh, brother Sam So I'll give you a first opportunity To comment on that Oh thank you Brother much
7: Yeah, just listening to it, um, you know, brought back. Number one, I want to say, y'all cold with the music.
5: (laughs) I I just, you know,
7: like, y'all cold with the music. Like, you know, Pac is my guy. And Uh we lined my guys up together, which was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, But, you you know, just hearing him um, and it taking me back, you know, to so many different moments, you know, hearing the, the fear in his voice, you know, Um, people don't understand, you know, that he couldn't socially distance. He could not, you know, deny going to work. Um, Canteen had been slowed down at some time. Stop packages were being delayed. Um, All kinds of things, you know, were happening. People were dying all around Um, You know, he'd get on the phone, and he just sounds so muffled, and then ultimately he contracted COVID, and we would be on the phone, and like, you know, the first day he called and said that he had COVID, I could hear him, and he was just sick, and he was trying to not cough, and, you know, because they were taking people and putting them in solitary confinement for having COVID, yet his job as a healthcare facility maintenance worker was to go in and clean up blood spills and vomit and urine. And, you know, he called me one day, and just you could hear it in his voice, just the the trembling in his soul, um, not knowing if he was going to make it out of there. And we were just months away from him going to the parole board. So it was even more crucial, right? He had to go to work. And um, he called, and, you know, he said they just rushed a man out of here. Same man had gone out you know, a day or two before to the hospital, the hospital didn't want him because he was a incarcerated individual. So they sent him back to the prison. And the next day, you know, the man starts coding, they come in there, just snatch him out, get him out. And Sam has to go in there. And the IV drip is still on and dripping all over the floor. There's blood all over the place. And, you know, he had to go in there and disinfect that after several people had already died and fearful for his own life. And so, you know, it and then then the slap in the face, right? Because we have frontline workers out here, nurses and doctors and EMTs and, uh, you know, just healthcare workers in general that were out here. And, you know, we're seeing the devastation of what's happening on the streets and within the hospital. So just imagine what it's like in these carceral settings where people are, you've got two human beings living in a a six-by-nine, six-by-ten closed, confined space where they have recycled air. So when it's hot outside, it's hot inside. When it's cold outside, it's cold inside. The walls are made of concrete. There's steel doors. There's, you know, no proper ventilation. So the virus is just sitting and lurking in the air. Like, it's unimaginable, you know, and yet we have people that um, are free, and you know, I would hear people make comments about having to uh, shelter in place, and you know, oh, this this what prison feels like. Like so many people, I just wanted to smack in the mouth. Like, you have no idea; it is not nearly comparable. You know, you go and live in your bathroom with another person for the next twenty four years, and you tell me if you would be able to survive. Um, you know, and so. To to hear him um, speak about times and, and the experience, you know, just makes it even more so. Um, you know, adds to the fire, fuel to the fire. Uh, because though he's home now, there's so many others that are not, you know. And and that's not even to talk about the population of people that are wrongfully incarcerated and innocent, and how their lives right. are, are put right. in jeopardy, you know or the people who who don't have life sentences that have a term that, you know, they didn't go to prison to die. So, you know, here we are in California on our plantational prisons, and we've got women in our prisons making masks and hand sanitizer and PPE gear, and they can't even use it themselves. We've got plantations here that are growing you know, fruits and vegetables and raising uh, 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 farm life and slaughtering and all that, they don't get to eat that fresh fruit and that those vegetables and that meat and get that milk in these prisons. That stuff is going into your local Walmart. That's tied directly into the prison industrial complex, and then guess what? They charging your family on the outside for the products that you're producing on the inside so then, the money that the family is making, they got to turn around and give right back, you know. So it's like it's a vicious cycle that um, so many of us just are not aware and, of, and so.
3: And when he said no, it was during a period when they were having mass graves being built on Hart Island, being dug on Hart Island, uh, in Mason, digging, and they were filling refrigerated trucks outside of morgues because there was no room. For the body, so they had to have refrigerated trucks outside. And he said Mm -hmm. no, and saying no could have cost him 15 years of his life. And if that's not uh, the highest form of coercion, then what is uh, you literally enforce him with a threat of 15 years of his life. I want to acknowledge we have another caller, but I also want Sam a chance to reply and comment on his own moment there on February 15th. At this press conference announcing ACA three, the California Abolition Act. So uh, two
12: seven seven six. Just hold on for a couple minutes more Brother Sam. Well, uh, yeah. This is Clarence from San Antonio. Max, how you hey, doing?
3: Hey, Clarence. Yeah, hold on for a couple minutes. Let's hear from Sam, and then we'll come back to you. Okay?
2: Okay. All right, Sam. Well, I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say briefly that it, it just felt right, you know. Like I said at the beginning of that, of that spill at the press conference, trying to abolish slavery did not start with me, you know. And um, it's, it's something we've been doing for, working on for a long time, and we just happened to be carrying the torch. But I couldn't have captured it any better and more, you know, than Jamelia just did. Hearing her explain it, you know, as she received it from me, I felt that myself. So I'll just leave the people with that. You know, because um, it was true, and you made a great point. People were dying in, in Spain. People were dying in Rome. People were dying mm-hmm. in New York. And I was in prison. Did nobody cared about us in prison. The prison was just a smorgasbord. You know what I'm saying? Wait for, for a pandemic. People were just waiting to get feasted on. We were just all waiting to see how we were going to die. You hear somebody sneeze or cough down a tear, you become terrified. Because, you know, like you said, it's recycled air. It's going to come right through the vents. And and so it was It was very terrifying So um, I'll just leave it at that Thank you, Brother
12: Sam uh,
3: Thank you for that
12: All right, uh,
3: Clarence, welcome back to Abolition
12: Today, man Hey, thanks um, I just wanted to know What do I need to do to outlaw slavery in Texas? Uh, get with
3: Savannah Eldridge Of the Abolish Slavery National Network She's leading the campaign there They already have their bill submitted uh, And she needs help with Organizing and people to be on the street to, to assist, you know. Uh, so, How do I contact get uh, you can send an email, an email to info at abolishslavery.us uh, and tell her who you are and you'd like to help in
12: East. Okay, Abolishslavery.us US info at abolishslavery.us. Okay. Oh, no I was, doubt. I was witnessing I witnessed uh, a lot of atrocities in Bear County Jail. Uh, they were mopping the floor with, with towels that were tied to a mop because uh, they didn't have mops. They didn't have any PPE. They didn't have any chemicals. but they were swabbing uh, the the floors from a dirty toilet. I don't know why they they want to spread that filth, but they were doing it. And COVID was rampant. Um, I saw three people commit suicide. It's no joke in there. It's it's straight up worse than slavery up in there.
3: That's what many um, people say, that what we're dealing with and what we have dealt with is often worse than slavery because there's nobody looking anymore. You know, there's there's no cameras in Mm -hmm. the prisons to catch all of this. It's just testimonies that everybody's rejecting out of hand as if it didn't happen. Your real-life experience don't matter. Your real-life experience didn't happen. You know what I mean? And
12: many people feel as though they deserve it. uh, Yeah. And a lot of people are innocent. innocent. It's just jail. So people are going through that, and they haven't even done anything.
3: I had a conversation with a military officer, and he was explaining to me how some people, we should not be paying to have them incarcerated because they're garbage people and they should just be eliminated. He's talking about the worst, the worst. But when you start seeing wow. people of any type as disposable, you've moved into the twilight zone now because when is the limit of that? when where do you finish with the garbage people, uh, get rid of them uh, because they're garbage to you? And there's no such thing as garbage people. All life is sacred. So, yeah, it's rough. Yeah, I want to give a chance for our guests now to go ahead and give us some final comments, a couple minutes, and uh, let us know, let our listeners know across the world how they can help in any way. So we'll start with Sister Jamelia.
7: Well, thank you, Matt. You know, I'm uh, going to just say that we're always grateful and appreciative to be able to be here with you all and. Talk about you know the issues that are very real for us. Um, people can follow us on Instagram at End Slavery in California. Um, they can also uh, go to our website where you can find information as well as a link to be able to donate um, at End Slavery in dot org. That is End Slavery in California dot org. Um and then I'm I'm gonna let Sam finish us out here.
3: All right. Thank you, uh Sister Jamelia, Brother Sam Peace.
2: so um it's always a pleasure and an honor to be here. I really thank you and Brother Eustace for the work that you're doing. I thank everybody in the audience that's out there that's faithful that constantly tunes in to make you the hundred and eighth ranked <laughs> educational show, you know what I'm saying? Out of out of Lord knows how many half a million. Uh, That's that's amazing. Yeah, Yeah, that's amazing. So shout out to everybody that's faithfully coming back so that they can learn more. You know, just that in and of itself. The fact that abolition today is ranked one hundred and eight demonstrates that, you know, there's a change in tide taking place. That, you know, you said it, it it takes more energy to lie than it does to tell the truth. And that's because that lie is always working to keep the truth buried. You got to exert additional energy just to try to keep dirt buried on top of the truth when you lie and when you're unrighteous. But when you tell the truth, you don't have to do all that. You just tell the truth, you know, and you shake the dirt off and you step on top of it and keep rising up. And so that's what we see taking place right here and and with the the show and with everything that you all are doing and what we all represent is the truth that, you know, they tried to bury it in plain sight with the 13th Amendment and tell us that slavery was abolished. But the fact of the matter is that's not the truth, and it never was abolished. It was only conditioned. And that's true. They tried to, um, you know, like I said, conceal it by, by telling us that this isn't something that you have to worry about anymore. Those days are over with. America, the benevolent. America, the beautiful. America, the brave. America, the compassionate. But it's 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 none of those things, you know. It's a matter of perspective, and from my perspective, I haven't received much of that, and that's us, us as a collective. We haven't received much of that, so it's incumbent upon us, when we now that we have an opportunity to do so, to be the change that we also desperately seek. I believe that I believe that was Gandhi, you know. But we also Have to take this this opportunity while we have it. I mean, because we need only look at what just took place with the former president and and the host of people that shared shared that you know the type of thinking that he embodied. Who don't see anything wrong with the traditional way of doing things here in America. Who don't see anything wrong with people being second class citizens or 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 marginalized. And I don't know if y'all been paying attention or y'all chip on, a, like, my new little song that I put out. But I got this song called Other Side. And I call it Other Side, O-T-H-A-C-I-D-E. I'm calling a new word. Like, you got homicide and suicide. Now you got Other Side. And Other Side mm-hmm. is death, death by marginalization, you know. And you kill people by putting them on the other side. And so that's what we have here. Because to label me is to negate me. And when they label us as second-class citizens, they label us as less than. They label us as criminals, somebody that's committed a crime and deserves to be dealt with. Like Jamelia was saying earlier, and Carter G. Winston says, the the character assassination precedes the physical assassination. So the work that you all are doing here on Abolition Today is crucial. The work that we all doing across the states is crucial. It's all critical, and it all works in tandem. We got to educate the people. We have to empower the people and then we have to support the people in any way we can to go out and support the change that we also desperately need. So I'm happy that ACA 8 is back, y'all. You know what I'm saying? If you know somebody in California, tell them to support ACA 8, End Slavery in California Act, whatever state you're in. If you find somebody from the Violet Slavery National Network doing this type of work to end slavery in your, in your state, support them. And if you don't find anyone, reach out. Reach out and we'll support you. You know, so I just want to leave it at that and just say thank you all. You, Steph, and Max, as always, love you, love you, Jamillion and peace to everybody.
0: Love you we too, brother. That's
2: right. Amen. Uh, and thank
4: you and Christ, on the yeah. heels of that, right. excuse me, one second, Max. On the heels of that, Sam and I have an announcement to make. So <laughs> yeah, we will be launching Tales from the Plantation here on the Abolition today uh same network. You know, that'll be March fifteenth on the on the three year anniversary of abolition today. So look out That's for that. Correct. We'll be promoting it. That'll be Wednesday nights. We'll be running that from uh seven to nine seven PM to nine PM Eastern Standard right. Time. So look out for that.
5: Calls oh, in the
3: plantation Wednesday night, y'all. That looks, that sounds good. I'm looking forward to that, no doubt. Uh, I want to say thank you to uh, both of you, Sam and Jamilia. I love you so much. Travel range (laughs) as well. Uh, We done business with You're welcome. (laughs) We done business Do some things, and we got some things to go through, but at the end, we're going to come out victorious, and I'm looking forward to that day when we can look at each other and say, you know, we did it. Slavery has been ended on paper in this Constitution of the United States of America. Uh, I know the fight ain't over, but That part of the fight is done (laughs) you know, And we're going to see it happen 100% Uh, Thanks to our callers Who called in tonight uh, And shared their thoughts and questions (laughs) To our representative from the black press as well Um, We'll be back Next week uh, With some more truth bombs to drop Tonight we have a special Bridging the gap I'm looking forward to hearing once again A warning to the American people From Frederick Douglass I think it's very relevant after the last two weeks where we played his speech, uh, where he denounced the emancipation as independence fraud. And this was from his autobiography, and it was his final warning to the American people about where we're at and where we're headed. Uh, with that being said, I want to pass Michael over to Brother Yusuf for our sponsors, and uh, until next week, peace.
4: Yeah, thank you for that summation, Max, and definitely love you, Jamilia and Sam. Uh, my mama loves y'all, you know, so, yeah, thank you. But anyway,
2: love mom. thank you <laughs> right to on. our – Love you too. Love her too.
4: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors and partners, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, the IMW Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, Sameer Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffy Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, and the Abolish Slavery National Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube page, youtube.com, abolition uh, youtube.com slash abolitiontoday. You'll find all the news and information and music that you hear on this program. Uh, also follow our Twitter page, Abolition Today, online. And then also follow our Facebook page, Abolition Today. So we have uh, a lot of news that you'll find up on our page from this evening that we weren't able to get to, but it's definitely relevant to the show, so make sure you check that out. But we want to get into our Bridge in the Gap, a warning to the American people from Frederick Douglass with clips from Damian Jr. Gong Marley, uh, Slave Mill. American Gods at uh, Mr. and Nancy speech the story of black people the end scene remix by in the spirit of blackness music from Fela sorrow tears and blood we'll be back next Sunday February 26th God willing with another master class on slavery abolition so until next week think about abolition today peace
0: peace abolition abolition, abolition. After today, after today,
13: after today, after today. With this warning to the American people, I bring my story to its end.
14: What men want and what they will, working for a dollar bill. Sad to see the old slave mill grinding slow, but grinding still. Walking home, a youth gets killed. Police free to shoot at will. Sad to see the old slate mill. Grinding slow but grinding still. Nine to five, you know the drill. Weekends are a short lived thrill. Sad to see the old slate mill. Grinding slow but grinding still. Cover on it over till it's still. Take until they've had their fill. Sure hurts to see the old slave mill. <laughs> grinding slow, grinding still, grinding
13: still. A new pattern of oppression replacing the old slave system was growing up in the South. The plantation owners, shorn of their source of power by emancipation, devised new methods of reducing the freedman to a state of peonage that would keep him bound hand and foot to the plantation. Terrorist societies, such as the Ku Klux Klan, swept down upon Negroes who dared to protest the violation of their rights. Any Negro community which sought to defend its civil liberties soon found its churches and schools a smoking shambles. Soon, as a result of this terror, the constitutional amendments adopted after the Civil War became little better than a mockery of freedom. When I met delegates at Negro conventions who had lived through the horrors of seeing their families massacred, their churches and schools burned to the ground, and their homes left in smoking ruins, I realized the ridiculousness of the contention that my work was over. Constitutional amendments guaranteeing the Negro equality and fair play looked very well in print, I reminded my friends. But law on the statute book and law in the practice of the nation are two very different things and sometimes very opposite things. What were the 14th and 15th Amendments worth to the victims of the Klan Terror? What did the ballot mean to men reduced to a state of peonage? At the South, I argued in speech after speech, the Negro dependent upon his enemy for his daily bread cannot long vote or act contrary to the will of those to whom he must necessarily look for food and raiment which he must have. It is a grand thing to have rights secured by constitutional provisions and by legal enactments, but without a public opinion and the government to enforce them, they are a mockery. To be one half freeman and the other half slave, to be a citizen and yet treated as an alien To be a man and yet not be a man among men may do for monsters, but not for genuine manhood. To those who called for a halt to agitation on the Negro question, I replied, We certainly hope that the time will come when the colored man in America shall cease to require the special efforts to guard these rights and advance their interests as a class. But that time has not yet come, and is not even at the door. When the doors of nearly every workshop in the land are closed against a colored race, and the highest callings open to them are of a menial character, while a colored gentleman is compelled to walk the streets of our large cities like New York, unable to obtain admission to public hotels, while staterooms are refused in our steamboats, and berths are refused in our sleeping cars on account of color, and the Negro is a byword and a hissing at every corner, the Negro is not abolished as a degraded caste, nor need his friends shut up shop and cease to make his advancement in the scale of civilized life a special work. Abolition,
0: today, every day.
13: Once
9: upon a time, a man got fucked. Now, how is that for a story? Because that's the story of black people
8: in America.
9: (laughs) Shit, you all don't know you black yet. You think you just people. Let me be the first to tell you that you are all black. The moment these Dutch motherfuckers set foot here and decided they white, and you get to be black, and that's the nice name they call you. Let me paint a picture of what's waiting for you on the shore. You arrive in America. Land of opportunity, milk and honey, and guess what? You all get to be slaves, split up, sold off, and worked to death. The lucky ones get Sunday off to sleep, and fuck, and make most slaves and all for what? For cotton, indigo, for a fucking purple shirt. The only good news is the tobacco your grandkids are going to farm for free. It's going to give a shitload of these white motherfuckers cancer. And I ain't even started yet. A hundred years later, you're fucked. A hundred years after that, fucked. A hundred years after you get free, you still getting fucked out of job and shot at by police. You see what I'm saying? This guy gets it. I like him. He's getting angry. Angry is good.
8: Angry
9: gets You should be understanding. And the idea is telling you. You are staring down the barrel. Of 300 years of subjugation, racist bullshit,
8: and honestly.
9: He is telling you there is the one goddamn reason you shouldn't go up there right now. And slit the throat!
8: of every
14: last one of these Dutch motherfuckers and set fire to
9: this ship. But now, one minute I And he nearly got You are already dead, asshole. At least die a sacrifice for something worthwhile. Like Let the motherfucker burn,
12: let it all
13: burn. With this warning to the American people, I bring my story to its end. To be one half freeman and the other half slave, to be a citizen and yet treated as an alien, To be a man, and yet not be a man among men, may do for monsters, but not for genuine manhood. Abolition.
0: Abolition. Abolition. Abolition.
8: Abolition.
7: Abolition. Abolition. If we'd known you all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton.
6: Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com/slash/holiday.
1: Fargo, the new virtual assistant from Wells Fargo, makes banking faster and easier. Like this: Fargo, what's my checking account routing number? And this: Fargo, uh, turn off my debit card. And this: Fargo, what
9: did I spend on groceries last month?
1: And that's just the beginning. Do you, Fargo? You
7: can in the Wells Fargo mobile app. Learn more at WealthFargo.com slash Fargo.
1: Terms and conditions apply. Your mobile carrier's availability and message and data rates may apply. Wells Fargo Bank and a member of DIC.